Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Old Guard. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers. Fighters like you with an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Mother? Let's just say we're very hard to kill. You've got questions, kid. You want answers? I have the new one. I think she has potential. (laughs) See, you're already healing faster. You're gonna do great. So you good guys or bad guys? Depends on the century. So we really never die. Just because we keep living doesn't mean we stop burning. (laughs) Throughout history, we've protected this world, fighting in the shadows. It's nearly impossible to disappear in the world we live in today. She'll like me to take one for you. Oh, thank you so much. There you go. Thank you. These are extraordinary individuals. They are extremely resistant to capture. They're going to lock us up and weaponize us. But they've never faced an army like ours. An army of five. Shit, let's start a band. If we can unlock their genetic code, the entire world will be begging us for the key. Shouldn't have done that. We don't have all the answers. But we do have purpose. I strongly recommend that we leave right now. Wait for the signal. How the hell can you even tell? All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Old Guard, and the story is as follows. A group of mercenaries, all centuries old immortals, with the ability to heal themselves, discover someone is onto their secret, and they must fight to protect their freedom. The film is starring Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, Matthias Schoenhartz, Marwan Kanzari, Luca Marinelli, and Chiwetel Ejiofor. It is directed by Gina Prince-Bifewood and written by Greg Rucka. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Lauren LaMagna. What up? Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Dan Baer. Does anyone else really want baklava right now? okay so we're talking about uh the old guard netflix release here and uh netflix action uh release you know i feel like 
other than extraction uh netflix doesn't typically uh do action releases this year or at least that often it seems like and it's <laughs> let me let me just say off the top really quick this is the action summer blockbuster film that we're getting <laughs> Like, this is it. We're in, we're halfway through the summer, and we have not had any big action films this year, pretty much at all, for the most part. Leave it to Netflix to keep us going through quarantine. So, thank you, Netflix. Lack of options, but here we are. <laughs> but hey, listen, that's not to say that I'm knocking the old guard. I think there are some things to talk about here that are of merit, for sure. And I think we're going to definitely uh, dive into some of those here today. Let's hear first and foremost from. Why don't we? Why don't we go with? Yeah, let's go with. Let's go with Lauren. Lauren, what'd you think of the old guard? I feel like I'm always first. Um, I genuinely liked the old guard. I'm not familiar with the comic that it's based off of, but I am a fan of Charlize Theron, who is one of the best female action stars I think currently standing and currently working. And I really liked the lore of it. I'm really into, you know, I do have experience with comics and with comic book movies and comics itself. So I love, you know, the whole lore of immortality and what people do with it and just being different and how that relates to us. And I thought it had a really good premise. It's not perfect. It's not great. I see people compare it to a quote unquote average Netflix movie. I don't understand what that means because we do have really good Netflix movies that get nominated for Oscars. But it does seem like, you know, a straight-to-video on-demand sort of a thing, which I guess I understand. But all in all, it's a good movie, really good lore, and I was hooked by the end, to be honest. Yeah, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that this is, like, an all-time great for the year or anything like that. But it was definitely a good talking point uh, for the last week. Uh, Let's hear uh, next from Dan Baer. Dan Baer, what would you think of The Old Guard? Hey, God, you guys remember how good atomic blonde was now hold on when you when you ask that question do you mean like how good Charlize Theron was in atomic blonde or do you mean like how good the movie was overall because those are two different things to me <laughs> they are very two different how, things <laughs> how good the action scenes in atomic blonde were okay we all right they all right yeah uh, they were good absolutely and this just seems like <sighs> On an action level, it's I'm like, not that anything can really compare to that, but like this seemed so far down that it seemed like such a huge step down for Charlize Theron. And that um, made me really disappointed. Um, I it's it's good. Like, it's not bad, but there the I just. I don't it was fine that there was one thing that I really really liked about it and I'm sure we'll talk more about this but like I we stan any movie that plops a totally nonchalantly gay couple right in the middle as a pair of badass action heroes. Like we simply have no choice, but to stand. Actually, I want to just say for the record, we not only stand that, but we stand (laughs) the fact that this is a extremely uh, diverse and well-rounded cast. 
Yes. First and foremost, I think, actually. A lot of different backgrounds, ethnicities. As you said there, Dan, uh, gay romantic uh, story also thrown in there nonchalantly. Uh, but also, too, as a driving force for those two characters and in just kind of giving the movie a little bit more texture as well. Um, I think that's one of the things that has actually separated the old guard apart and kind of flipped its name on its head a little bit. It should be called the Progressive Guard, if you ask me. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's sort of like the point of the title is to be a little cheeky about it. Yeah. You know? And and sort of like how and there's a lot that whenever this movie was about these characters talking to each other and grappling with their situation and being immortal fighters and what does that mean and what's the point of all this? I was way more interested than during the action scenes, which mm. were just which felt kind of rote and generic and not anything particularly special. Although I did really love that th- these characters were just immortal. Like they didn't have super strength. They weren't invulnerable. They didn't have any superhuman abilities. They just can't die <laughs> yeah they don't have metal claws uh coming out of their uh out of yeah. their skin <laughs> they're not superhuman they're just immortals <laughs> all right let's hear next from nicole nicole what do you think of the old guard so first and foremost i do want to say that this is the kind of movie that i was watching some of the action sequences and i was like god i miss seeing movies in a movie theater yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I actually, Jesus, like, do I need to upgrade my TV or do I just really want movie theaters back? Right. And it was funny, too, because the day before <laughs> I had driven to look at an apartment complex that um, I may move to when my lease ends. And it's right next to my favorite Regal. And seeing the parking lot completely empty made me very weirdly mm. emotional. Like, Aww. I actually thought I was going to cry for a moment. Mm. So then to watch this movie and be like, and that's exactly what I wish, you know, the type of film I wish I could be seeing in um, mm. a movie theater. So that said, um, I was not familiar with the comic that this is based on, but I knew it was a, you know, superhero action movie from a female director. And I'm always very interested in those and um, how differently they tend to portray women. Um, And I was super impressed by this film in many ways. It exceeded my expectations. It has some issues, which I'm sure we'll get into, but the cast is phenomenal and I think it grapples with some really interesting topics. Okay. And Josh Parham. I am similarly in a boat with most other people here that I did not have familiarity with this movie source material. I just remember watching the trailer and thinking, eh, that that looks interesting. I like Charlize and I I am you know contractually obligated to see anything with Matthias Schoenarts mm-hmm. in it. So um, <laughs> I figured, yeah, I'm, we'll check this out anyway. It's on Netflix. And I, I do have to say that I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I do recognize that the action isn't, like, extraordinary. I think it's competent, but it isn't, like, mind-blowing or anything. It kind of just serves its purpose. Um, I think I have bigger issues, actually, just with the overall construction of the screenplay, where I just think the story itself feels a little weak to me. But at the same time, when I found myself really caring about were these characters and the themes that they're grappling with. And I found that to be very interesting. And I don't think that we get too many action movies that 
do that type of stuff and go for that type of storytelling and and have that thematic weight to it. So, yeah, there are some issues with it, definitely, and it's not a perfect movie, but I actually found myself appreciating so much of this movie's attempt to try to tell sort of a more complex story within kind of the lackluster action sequences that I actually ended up liking it a good bit, to be honest. Yeah, I think I'm like, I'm a mixture of a lot of these different reactions that I've just heard. Um, I, too, had no familiarity with the source material. I just looked at it as, oh, this is something else to watch this weekend. And I knew going in it was going to be an action film. And I was also kind of, like I said at the top of the show, starving for some action. And uh, to Josh's point, yeah, the action scenes are not great. I, you know, as far as female directed action movies go so far this year, Birds of Prey still takes the cake for me. Uh, But Old Guard, it was competent. It wasn't bad. The stuff that I thought was bad about this movie was there were more than a few instances. I would say even outside, I would say outside of two speeches in this movie, one delivered by Matthias Schoenhartz, where he uh, talks about his backstory and a- another speech, which has been going around a lot lately on film Twitter uh, titled, he's not my boyfriend. Um, outside of those two speeches, I thought the dialogue in this movie was pretty bad at times. I mean, like cringe worthy mm. bad. And yet, despite that, the lore of this movie was so strong that I did get invested in the characters individually, and I was invested in the story. And I would go so far as to say that instead of just making a sequel to this movie, which they so clearly want to be able to do... I would love, 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 love to see this turned into a television series one day because I think there's enough backstory and enough material that they could expand upon this idea and really make this a really killer television show if they ever wanted to someday. That's how strong the lore is. Yeah, it's got really great world building invested in it. And I think you're right, Matt, that the dialogue itself is – not the strongest, and I think that is the main source of my frustration with the screenplay. But at the same time, I do sort of respect the work that went into at least crafting these characters and their relationships with each other, and that is so much more work than we usually get in even the most competently of uh, made action movies. And it was rather refreshing to be watching something like this that's this big-budget action spectacle, and like, yeah... The spectacle itself is just sort of okay, but sometimes I found myself not even caring that much because the relationship with these characters were so textured and interesting. I mean, just the fact that Charlize and Matthias's characters are not in a romantic relationship, that is so much more than any other movie would do with those characters. They let them be friends and have a good rapport with each other but not be in a sexual or romantic relationship and that i was like i was so happy that they did that instead correct me if i'm wrong here but doesn't it seem like there is another character that's reserved more so for charlie steron romantic interest in this movie maybe it, it maybe. seems heavily implied yeah it seems yeah bad. It, and like 
deliberately left in a way to make people speculate. Like I said, they've got they've got material to continue this story. And I think they did a great job of yeah. setting that up should they decide to or if they ever able to uh, shoot another film for this. I also think they did a good job of setting it up without it feeling like, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and they so obviously end it in a way that calls for a sequel that it feels kind of cheap. Yeah. Um, and this, I, I felt like I, I had enough closure, but with also the potential for a sequel and the interest in one, but I didn't feel like cheated out of closure from the plot lines of this film. Yeah. I 100% yeah. agree with you, Nicole. Like a completely yeah. closed story that it didn't need to have one, and then they give that little, happens. you know, stinger at the end, which I, I gotta admit, like, it totally gotten, oh, shit out of me <laughs> yeah i had an ocean moment too and <laughs> i didn't necessarily want a sequel before that moment happened i was yes, like okay, this is exactly. fine good movie like it's good like watch that and like chill netflix and then as soon as that happened i was like oh when is corona done so production can like get back up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely because I normally hate those things in movies and like uh hmm. like let there be a sequel if there's going to be a sequel if people genuinely like it don't purposely set one up and but in this case they set it up and I was like ooh I was not interested in a sequel until they set it up. <laughs> one thing that I generally don't like in movies is I don't like when characters make uh, very big decisions and in and, and in some cases uh, we'll call them betrayals. And then all of a sudden, the other characters are like, oh, no big deal. You're, you're back in the club. It's all good. I would argue that there is one betrayal in this movie where I, I definitely did not buy the switch, where all of a sudden that that person was now on the good side and it was OK. But there's another betrayal in this movie where the form of punishment that befell upon that person for, for their betrayal Perfect. I was like, well, hot damn. This is very good. I was like, I was like wow, that sounds awful. And I was like, damn, that <laughs> yeah. actually. It's like I understand it, but like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> I, I found myself laughing because I was like, oh, my God, like, that's truly awful. And you know what's so great about it, though, is that not only is it another example of the world building, but it's an expansion upon the themes that the movie is touching upon, too. Um, and as Dan said before, when this movie does start to really dive into the philosoph uh, philosophical aspects of immortality and what it means for these characters, uh, forget about the action sequences. That's where the movie is at its strongest, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. I completely agree. And it's the... It's the movie's investment in those characters that made me ultimately want to see a sequel and why that stinger at the end works so well, and not the actual so quality of the movie itself. Just because the plot is so, like, whatever. <laughs> I think that's what's so cool about this film is that when you have an ensemble cast, normally they only put so much attention and so much care into the main person, a part of that ensemble, which would be Charlize Theron's character, obviously. But with mm -hmm. this film, all of them get their time. All of them get the same care and the same treatment. And we do care about every single member of this group, which I think is really rare for these like small ensemble pieces. 
Yeah, I was actually afraid that uh, Marwin Kanzari and Luca uh, Marinelli were actually going to get like kind of tossed to the sidelines uh, because even Kiki Lane, I was worried because she's supposed to be like the audience's introduction into uh, these characters and the lore and such. I was worried that she was also going to get lost in the shuffle a bit too. But no, I agree. I was quite impressed that everybody had something going on. If anybody gets to shaft to this movie, it's true Edgy Edgy of four. Like otherwise everyone I thought got a moment here. And it was uh yeah, very impressive how well balanced it was. Yeah, the the movie that it kept reminding me the most of in terms of its diversity and some of its uh plot points and structure was The Matrix. Oh. <laughs> and one of the uh worst things about the matrix is that it's really only about uh neo trinity and morpheus the rest of the team doesn't really get a chance to shine that much except for um joe pantaleano's character kind of yeah and that's for a very obvious reason later on yeah and and this movie they they actually let everyone have their own story that is like they're full characters. They're each full characters, and I really appreciated that. It also doesn't feel overdone either, which I found yeah. really appreciating. Like, there are flashbacks that occur, but they're not these extended sequences where we're suddenly ripped out of the pacing of the movie, and now we have to spend 10 minutes in this new setting with new, entirely different characters we have to now get associated with. Like, it's very strategic in what it needs to show you to give you a full picture of who these characters are within this story and it's very efficient storytelling yeah no i definitely agree with that the the thing is that like the character work is so strong that it feels like the action scenes were tacked on later as sort of in like oh well we need these scenes to get people to see this and so that it can make money or be bought by someone or whatever. Like they feel like such an afterthought when how thoughtful everything else is. Well, there's a couple of things about the action sequences that I appreciated. One is that it did remind me a lot of watching the uh, X-Men movies because that's how Wolverine's uh, fighting style is. He takes on all of his punishment because he can heal and he knows that he can. And that's what these characters are doing. So many instances where they're throwing their bodies uh, to protect another person in harm's way or uh, just simply just taking uh, lots of bullets or whatever it is. Um, I love the way that the movie played around with all of this and used it um, both for moments where once they establish that they're not they are immortal, but they're not immortal at the same time. Then I was yeah. like, OK, great, because that actually added another dimension of they do have this ability, but it, it's like it's like another it's like us as humans. We don't know when we're going to die and they could get careless and just take all of his punishment. But then one day they take the one hit that happens to be the one. Mm-hmm. And that that I thought was a very interesting notion to play with uh, from a, a mental standpoint for these characters, and it was actually explored uh, using uh, one of the one of the characters in the group that I, I I thought it was really really compelling drama. It's a good premise, like for these characters, and to create this new layer of tension within the sequences. I will say though that I think the early action sequences in the film do come across a little stilted in the way that they're mm-hmm. shot, and they're not quite that compelling i do think that the final one at the end that big shootout is probably like the big centerpiece and i think that one 
came across a little bit better to me. It it still has its limitations, I felt, but of all the sequences, it felt like that was the one that had the most care and attention put into it because it's the big finale. And Agreed. Yeah, that was the one I felt like was the best amongst them, even though I could still find myself not being super engaged by the action necessarily, but finding myself engaged by at least the characters within those action sequences. The only other one that I really enjoyed was the one on the airplane. Um, I think mostly because it, as much as it's an action sequence between two characters, it also is a piece of character development. Um, I, I stand so hard the way Charlize almost looks turned on when she realizes that uh, <laughs> can actually fight. She gets this yep. smile on her face that is like, okay, yeah, we're doing this. Bring it. And, <laughs> and I loved it. Fun, it's such a fun scene because, uh, you know, Kiki Lane's character is really kind of starting to understand um, what's happened to her and like what her powers are. And she's like, grasping that she's gonna heal but she's gonna still feel the pain and all of that and there's that dynamic between the two of them that's so fascinating I think and uh that was the only other action sequence other than obviously the big one at the end that I thought was really compelling I actually found some of the other ones I don't want to say boring but no they were boring I did get a little bit bored in the middle section of this movie (laughs) it's okay you can say it (laughs) <laughs> this is not John Wick. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yeah, it's not Birds of Prey. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's not even yeah. Birds of Prey. I, I did love the one in the um the the one in the church where they have Charlize doing all her being all her Charlize ness, and then Matthias Schoenart to Kiki Lane, and she's like, "What's the signal? How will I know?" And he's like, "You'll know when it comes. You'll know when it comes." Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. That was fun. Yeah, but I do like what the final fight scene is. You know that added bonus of maybe they're not a hundred percent immortal because I do like that twist of you know they're immortal, but maybe they're not at some point that they don't know. It's kind of like playing Russian roulette with them. Yes, sometimes it might work, but there's also that chance where you know it might not. And there's a scene with um, Charlize and Matias, where she's like, okay, come on, come back with me, come back with me. And for a second, she's like, is this it for us? Like, is this it? Like, are we sure? And it's it puts another layer on top of, you know, the healing immortal superhero, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, because, I mean, the one pitfall that you can fall into with that, and I say it all the time whenever we review these superhero movies, whenever you have powers, you need to have limitations on those powers. Otherwise, stakes just go out the window at that point. And without stakes, you don't have compelling drama. <laughs> you know, there's like there's nothing to really get invested in if like if you can't kill Superman, you know, or if you can't find a way to kill Wolverine for whatever reason. So I really, really like that the movie has that setup. I like that it's uh, actually executed really well. And I also um, really, really liked uh, someone before, I don't remember who it was, mentioned the pain uh, that these characters remember feeling all the time. Yes, they heal, but that pain, that they've experienced a lifetime of pain. Uh, and that's something that I, I, I also thought from a psychological standpoint, uh, I thought that the mo- I wish the movie touched upon that maybe just a little bit more. But 
another thing too that it kind of unlocked then was it unlocked all right if they can't be killed then what is the thing that these guys all fear the most and it's actually capture which man that 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 was psychologically horrifying when they actually gave examples of that yeah (laughs) yeah very Oof. disturbing. <laughs> I, I I can't even imagine. I mean, I, no one. You can't possibly imagine. There's one visual that I just can't get out of my head. Does it involve the ocean? Yes. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And and the actress's face in that moment, which you can't see very much of, but you can see enough. Oh, mine's yeah. right before when she realizes. Oh, yeah. What's when about they first to happen? Show the thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's really good. Yeah. That whole section, I found that very disturbing, but, like, it still fit into the rest of it well without feeling disjointed for how much more psychologically terrifying it is. Yeah. That was, I think, for me, the best part of the movie. And that's why I really agree with you, Matt, when you say you want to see a TV series out of this. Like, there's so much story to tell. And... I think that there's a lot to be said for, you know, like these overly cruel um, uh, medieval methods of torture and capture compared to what we do today. Like we think that a lot of things today we do are bad. Like, no, you ain't seen some of the medieval torture shit that they used to use back in the day. Like who boy. (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I mean, I could very easily imagine a season being a time period. You know, I, yeah. I, I could totally see following the same cast of characters through different time periods in history. And, uh, man, I just think I, th- I think it has such potential. I really do. You know what uh, also left psychological scars, though, on my brain while watching this movie? Uh, Harry Melling's performance. God. Yeah, wasn't the greatest. Which... For the record, I, I have to admit, like, I, I have to take off, like, an entire point altogether for that performance because it really was super distracting. The the methods uh, behind, uh, like, the, the villain's motivation also was flawed to the point where I just didn't believe it anymore. So much. Um, it was just, yeah. like, the, the bad guy, the bad guy was not, if the bad guy in this movie 
was anywhere near as compelling and as interesting as the characters that we were growing to appreciate as this film progressed, this movie would have been freaking fantastic. I mean, like, I would have been enthusiastic mm. as all hell because mm. you need a good antagonist to match a good protagonist. Mm. And this yeah. movie does not yeah. have it. And it's it, just... it has a bland antagonist with, with a really muddy motivation. And you give that part to someone who really has the charisma and sense for um, camp. Yeah. And it could have worked. But Henry Melling, good as he is as an actor in general, isn't there yet to make this work. But, and spoiler alert, but my God, was that death so satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) I also, I don't, I think it works against him too, that like, let's be honest, your average person watching it recognizes him from a very specific role. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, (laughs) There's a reason I said your average person. I know, I know. (laughs) And I think that, you know, because we didn't have much motivation, because we didn't have much character there, every time he was on screen, my mind just went, Dudley. (laughs) Because there wasn't enough there to to grasp a sense of character. Um, But we've seen this villain before. Like, yeah. there's nothing new about it. When you have these types of heroes, when you think of the villain for these heroes, it's the first one. It's very bland and on the page. There's not much to it. It's just that's what they want and that's what they're going to do. And we've seen it time and time again. So there's nothing really new for him to do with what he was given. And everything I also want to call out here, um, because I went back and forth on this. There were times where I thought it was awesome and times where I thought to myself, no. You think it's awesome because it's the music that you might listen to when you're going for a run or going to the gym or something like that. But in a movie, some of these songs just didn't work. The no, you're wrong. (laughs) Some of them I thought were good, but like Marshmallow's silence at the end, like really? All bad. It was bad, bad, bad. It made it worse. The soundtrack is my least favorite thing about this film, which is interesting because I really like the score. So anytime there, the score was there, I was like, oh, thank God. Um, but I just felt so much of the soundtrack took me out of the film. Oh, I um, love the soundtrack. Uh, Lauren, I love the songs. Like, I listened to yeah. these songs. But in the movie itself, yeah. I just thought that it was uninspired, yeah. cheesy, and distracting. There were a couple of times I was like, why would they pick this song for this moment? Yeah. It almost reminded me of like the early 2000s. Do you guys remember like when you would watch something like Triple X with Vin Diesel and like Drowning Pool would like play like the body song or something? Like it was just so it was so pandering to just try and uh, like cater towards like a teenager's um, mindset and that rebellious like youth nature and that kind of music. And I just feel like that's. I guess this is the kind of music that young people listen to nowadays. I don't know, because I listen to some of it, too, I suppose. So who knows? But <laughs> I just I don't know. I, t- to me, it wasn't it wasn't the best choice. No, it, it made every scene that they played music over was made worse by the music they chose. I completely disagree. I love the <laughs> soundtrack, particularly the soundtrack. And I was every single time a song when I was like, oh, my God, love it. It works. And it made me like more into the scene for some reason and it made me more heightened and I paid much more attention because I with shows with movies on Netflix and on demand it's so easy to turn to your phone and to get distracted and to get up and to walk around but as soon as those scenes happen and those songs set up I'm glued and I'm watching and I'm perfectly entertained so I love 
all of those songs. Ten out of ten soundtrack. I think I think the I think it succeeds in the cool factor. I just don't know if lyrical content, if there's like a thematic tie-in or like like what I just don't know if there was a lot of thought put into it, I guess is what I'm getting at here. Cause I, I, you know, listen, Tarantino uses recognizable music. Scorsese uses mm-hmm, recognizable mm-hmm. music. Spike Lee uses recognizable music. But there's usually a thematic reason why a specific song is being chosen for a scene. Unless if you're Scorsese just using the Rolling Stones over and over again, then I, then it, that I just, whatever. <laughs> He's got carte blanche. He can do whatever he wants at this stage in his career. But regardless, regardless, I, I if someone can tell me that there is like, Ah, like, I don't know. The first song is called Born Alone, Die Alone. I guess that alone, no pun intended, has something to do, I suppose, with the themes of the story. I I don't know. It always felt to me like they chose songs based on, like, one lyric towards the beginning of the song that made sense with the scene that it was in. But then as the scene went on and the song kept playing it just didn't have the right sound for the mood of the scene or it underlined what the mood of the scene was supposed to be too much. I think you guys have been a little harsh on the soundtrack. Um, I'm not in Lauren's camp of loving it. I thought it was just fine, but it didn't really distract me that much. I definitely noticed when like an action scene would start and it's like, Oh, there's a, an actual song playing here, that's different. But I did not have such a visceral reaction to it of, like, being completely taken out by it. I, you know, I thought that the music and the soundtrack choices were fine for what they were. I got what they were going for. It wasn't totally my thing, but I don't think that they were, like, these horrific creative choices that the movie was making either. I have a question for everybody. Mm-hmm. How old is Andy really? pre-jesus so <laughs> yeah she's over 2000 years old at least she's seen some stuff man if you could be like 2000 years old and look like charlie Theron, my lord so <laughs> what happens when you eat baklava man <laughs> i know also too i love that all these characters uh have like original names that they've kind of like updated like mm-hmm. everyone calls her Andy, but her real name is uh, Adramashi of the Sifa or the Sifaya or something like that. Andromaki. Oh, Andro Andromamak. What? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, and then there's uh, Joe, <laughs> yeah. uh, who was originally Yusuf Al Kazani, uh, Nikki Nicolo di Gen- Gen- Genova, <laughs> and then Sebastian Le Lever, and then he's just called Booker. Okay. <laughs> That's, I need a second movie because I need that explained to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I do want to emphasize one more time. I absolutely loved uh, Matthias Schoenhardt's speech where he talked about his sons. I uh, talked about uh, growing old and what that means for their kind versus everybody else. Um, I thought that was a great written segment. And I really, really enjoyed that. It's a speech we've gotten so many times before in stories about people who are immortal or age slowly or whatever. But Matthias sells it very well. Yeah. He sells it so well. Yeah. And honestly, like I'm going to get such hate for this, but I don't care. Um, I kind of felt the same way about the, he's not my boyfriend speech 
which like I he sells it so well, but the whole time I'm thinking like this is coming from out of nowhere. No, they had already set up that they were in a relationship before that. Well, no, I, they set up that, but like the the style of the speech and what he was saying, I'm just like that. <laughs> this, it, it felt like it stood the, out it felt from like the rest it was, of the script. Yes. Yeah, it felt like they very consciously went and then like we had to we have to write this thing for one of these characters to say and it needs to be one of these it needs to be one of these two characters and we need to get them to say this and it just felt like shoehorned into the movie. There there was nothing else in the movie that sounds like that speech. It genuinely felt to me like it was written by a different better writer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's like, I love it, but I'm sitting there the whole time, like, this feels like it's coming from a very different movie. I, I, I know, I, I definitely don't disagree. I, like I said I, at, uh, earlier, I think those two speeches stand out precisely for that reason, because they're the only, they're the only <laughs> scenes of dialogue that are actually good. <laughs> so... I, I, I don't know. I, to me, it really, really worked. Um, I just kept thinking to myself the whole time. I'm like, yo, Will and Jada can't last 25 years and you guys have been together for <laughs> centuries. God damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> Gotta work in that relationship. Jesus. You do. I mean, the scene did work for me. I I thought it was actually very well done. I, I do understand to a point that, yes, it does seem a little incongruous to the style of dialogue that's in the rest of the movie. But I also feel like at that moment, you know, they're captured. They have no idea when they're possibly going to get out of the situation. It's the thing that they've been fearing the most. And I think that emotions at that moment are pretty high and they would probably respond very aggressively to stuff that's happening around them. And I, so I think the moment is justified in that regard. And I think it's also justified in the fact that, I think even regardless of the context, it's still pretty amazing that this type of scene is in this type of movie. And I honestly think that if this was, yeah. And I honestly think if this was in theaters, this moment would be getting so much more attention. I think that we would be talking about it as like a landmark moment in mainstream action movies. And I think I agree. One of the, the kind of things that I'm most sad about it just being on Netflix is it now is just in this echo chamber of like just film Twitter and people that like streaming movies. And I think that if this was in theaters on a big screen, it would be having such a greater impact right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I admire the movie for including it and for expressing it the way that they do, because time and time again, we've seen with um, other large scale blockbuster action movies where a character's sexuality is hinted at but they don't want to go full tilt with it necessarily and there's all these theories then and then there's all this controversy where here it's like nope this dude is madly in love with this other dude (laughs) and like it's just as it's just a matter of fact the other thing to me is that i guess like they already made everything he says in that speech so clear Mm -hmm. in other throughout the rest of the movie that it felt a little superfluous and I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm super glad that that, that scene and that speech exist. And like, I, it, it's, <laughs> it's an, an amazing, like fuck yes moment. But I, 
it felt so out of place that I questioned whether the movie actually needed it. Like uh, the, the fact that they just the practically the first time we see those two people, they're lying next to each other, curled up, like sleeping and holding each other. Like that was all I need to be like, oh my god, yes. But Dan, I would also say that I think that for one, there are some people that do need it, that they need it kind of I, underlined. Yes. And I yeah. I think that there are some people that yeah. do need that greater context. And But what I think that scene also does is that it erases this idea of tokenism with these characters. And it actually makes it be like, okay, these aren't just like gay characters that they've thrown into the background that are here to kind of make the film seem woke. It's actually like, no, these are two characters that have an undying love for each other that runs very deep. And it's actually something that motivates them throughout the rest of the movie. And even their resolution, I was very kind of surprised at. I don't want to give anything away, but Agreed. I, I was prepared for one thing to happen with those yes. characters that yeah. didn't happen. And <laughs> they were I was... setting it up to happen. They like yeah. explicitly set it up to happen. Exactly. And, and I was like, okay, good and on I you. All that is important. It's important <laughs> in these types of movies. And I really respected that the movie decided to make those kinds of choices. And I think it was a better movie um, character-wise for making those types of decisions. Yeah, no, the movie earned brownie points for that, for sure. I also think it's significant that it's the only real romantic relationship that Mm -hmm. we see in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yo, which... What? For the record, in regards to that, four people... Two of them in this centuries-long relationship. Matthias Schoenhardt's is hot as hell. Charlize Theron's <laughs> hot as hell. You're telling me there's not a point in all those centuries where Matthias looked at Charlize and was like, do you want to, you know? Like, was like, no, the love of my life died centuries ago. <laughs> which, which, you know what? I, like, once again, it's, like, unrealistic? Maybe, but... I respect that the movie did it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe after like 200 years, they'll be like, you know, we're both here. You want to just try this out? Yeah. Well, <laughs> See where it goes. Just like, <laughs> but I feel like so often, even whenever you do have a, you know, a, a gay relationship in a film like this, it plays backseat to another relationship. Yes. Um. So it was really nice to see like this is the great relationship in the film. And it's the one that's, you know, kind of held up as the one romantic truly romantic aspect of it, even though there's some hints in other places about things that may have happened. Right. Um, but I, I also think, I think that's significant and I say, you know, good on them for doing that. No, it's different. It helps the movie to stand out for sure. And it's uh, another reason why, uh, despite its flaws, I still find myself liking this movie ultimately in the end because it felt refreshing, not just because we were getting finally some sort of an action blockbuster uh, this summer, but also because the story itself felt like it was something new that we hadn't necessarily seen before in certain aspects, while there are definitely aspects where I was like, yes, okay, we've we've seen this before. You want to you want to cure, you know, some great disease, you know, (laughs) unlocking their blood. I get it. I get it. You know, so. All righty. Final grades. Final thoughts. Josh Parm, we'll start off with you. Uh, The only other thing that I would mention is um, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Kiki Lane. And I can sort of understand that because she is like the audience surrogate. She's sort of meant to not be a blank slate, but be somebody that introduces us to this world. And I think by that very nature, she kind of seems like she doesn't have quite as much depth. But at the same time, I thought that she gave a good performance. I thought that there were even moments where she was required to do a little bit more 
like kind of searching for the like a complex emotional character journey that she was going through didn't always land for me but i did appreciate at least what she was attempting to do in her performance and she's not the strongest bit of it but i still think that she does pretty good work in the film i think from a physicality standpoint i was surprised by how much i really believed her mm-hmm. in this role because obviously seeing her in like if beale street could talk uh just you know very big contrast in movies here and in roles yeah. so um that was that was awesome to see her uh do something totally different i don't think that she's necessarily a standout in this cast so much because there are because there's just a lot of there's a lot of lore and there's a lot of characters and there's a lot there's just a lot going on i do feel like she gets lost in it a little bit but I don't think she's bad at all, and I think she anchors the movie pretty well as the audience surrogate. So, yeah, no, definitely a good call out there, Josh. Uh, what grade would you give it? I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. There's moments where I'm actually very close to an 8 out of 10 for this movie, but there's enough in it that does sink it for me, mainly on a script level, and that does hold it back. And as we said, some of the action sequences aren't that well shot and executed, but there's certainly enough here from a story and character perspective that I did find myself really invested in. And so it's, it's a seven, but it is a very strong seven for me. All right. All right. Lauren. At the end of the day, I was entertained by the old guard. It's really interesting. It's in my niche area. I do love these characters. That second act really does slow down for me, I will say, which really does hurt the grade for me. But I do like these characters. I think Charlize Theron plays a different type of action character than she normally does. It's more aloof. It's more quiet. It's more sullen and somber, which I thought was really cool to see her do. So I'm going to also give it a 7 out of 10. Overall entertained. Are you not at the time? It's all I could hear uh, when you said that, Lauren. Of course. Dan Bear. I, I, this movie made me really, really angry that I couldn't see it on a big screen. And I mean, for that alone, it's good. Um, like I said, like, I liked this movie. I, I just didn't love it. And I found a lot of problems and issues with it even though there were things that i liked about it um for me it is a six out of ten it is a very strong six if we were able to give half scores then it would be a six and a half but we're not so i'll just instead say it's a very strong six almost a seven okay all right nicole i also actually want to give a shout out to kiki lane Um, I found her so engaging, and I thought that in a lot of the scenes where she was on screen, I felt my focus very much pulled to her. And I think that she has a very compelling softness to her Mm. um, that she brings to both the roles I've seen her in. And I think that it was something so refreshing in the midst of this action film um, to see a character who was still badass and, you know, could absolutely kick ass but also had this softness to her. And I really appreciated that. I think this whole cast is fantastic. And I think that they really elevate what could have felt like a truly, truly dismal script, um, Mm. apart from those two good scenes. So 
overall, like I said, I've got some issues with it, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I've been recommending it to people because I think that, uh, particularly because it's on Netflix, it's really worth watching. So I'm going with a 7 out of 10. I, too, have been recommending it to people, although I've gotten some mixed uh, reactions. I've had some people tell me they thought it was really bad, and I've had some people tell me it was great. And I, I think everyone's mileage will vary a little bit here and there, depending on what you're into, necessarily. But there's one thing that's indisputable, and that is that Gina Prince uh, Bifewood is a black female director who has made an action film for Netflix starring Charlize Theron uh, that has all of this lore packed into it and has all these people talking about it and it celebrates uh, diversity and it's got these progressive uh, moments in it. And one of our underrated thing I think the movie does very well is it talks a lot about shared experiences uh, that these characters have with one another, this connection, this un- this bond uh, that only they have. And I think that that is something that, you know, um, speaking for myself, for example, I'm not, you know, I'm not a woman. I'm not a gay person. Um, I can't necessarily ever fully relate to you, Lauren, Nicole, Josh, Dan, um, in, in, in the experiences that you guys, you know, go through and Josh being black as well, you know, like I, I, I can't, uh, but I like that the movie has that theme in there. And I like that it touches upon that. I think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to. And uh, it really, really kind of helps, I think, uh, get invested in the characters on their journeys. Oh, sh- shout out to the scene in the pharmacy. Oh, oh, God, yeah. that was Which so good. Is, that was like that if the movie had done more scenes like that, if it had been more of a character drama with some action scenes as opposed to an action movie with a whole lot of character scenes. It it's like flip that ratio around from like 60, 40 to 40, 60. And I think this would have been a better movie. That was a good, a good example there. I'm surprised that uh, that didn't get brought up before in the conversation. So thank you for remembering that. I thank you for saying what you did because that was what made me think of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with a 6 out of 10 on it, but uh, like Dan, no, I'm I'm the one who makes the rules around here. I don't do 0.5, so I'm not going to say if I had 0.5s, I would give it 0.5. No, it's a 6, all right? It is a strong 6, but it's a 6. That is a, you guys have caught on to my key phrasing. Anytime I want to say 0.5, I'll say it's a strong 6. Yeah. <laughs> a very enthusiastic. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Oscar prospects. No, right? No. 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 Even in this crazy year, no. No. The only place where this could have been a player was like makeup or visual effects, and it clearly did not have the budget to do the effects the way it wanted to. So, Well, actually, I would argue that if they had done more practical makeup instead of having the makeup be visual effects, you know, like the wounds and such, um, I I, I think I would have been more inclined. But, yeah, I know I agree with you. I think that the visual effects are not – uh, that extravagant and I don't think the makeup is not is that extravagant I don't think the sound work is no. anything to write home about especially now with only five nominees now so 
Yeah, I think it's dead in the water as far as Oscars go, but that's okay because believe believe me when I tell you, Netflix has plenty of other contenders coming. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they're not upset about it. This is not one they wanted for the Oscar prospects. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. All right, that'll do it here for our review of the Old Guard. Dan Bear, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Lauren, you guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. Nicole? I'm online at Nicole Ackman 16. Josh? I'm on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Old Guard here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.